Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. My colleague Harriet Fitch Little is one of those people who's outrageously talented at making things beautiful. I'm with her in the London Audio Studio, and even though we've worked together a lot and are internet friends, we've just met in person for the first time. I feel that I already know that you are an expert at hosting and making dinner, and that, like, you are an aesthetic genius, and you always seem to be carrying a bouquet of wildflowers around. And even today, you came to the studio and you brought me a little homemade muffin that you had made. You just know what you're doing. Thank you. <laughs> that feels like that's real sort of disgusting domestic goddess territory, <laughs> yeah, isn't no. it? Like I just woofed everywhere with like flowers and homemade muffins. <laughs> no, you're, you're, um, you're, uh, you're also a genius brain and a complex thinker. <laughs> Harriet recently became our food and drink editor. As you can tell, she's aware that this whole world of food and drinks can quickly turn into something a bit too precious. But she's not precious or preoccupied with trends or making things perfect. Harriet's also like this when it comes to hosting dinner parties. And she's devoted this week's entire issue of the FT Weekend magazine to dinner parties as a theme. To her, a great dinner is simple. It's about having your friends over and creating a really nice time in a way that feels like you. I'm not very good at being the person who sort of like turns from person A to person B and says, well, you've got this in common. What I far prefer being is the person who's like in the kitchen with lots of things like boiling over, Mm -hmm. um, who can sort of like occasionally like rush through the door and (laughs) say something interesting and like top up people's glasses. So I think that's always what has drawn me to dinner parties as a form of hosting. Right. Today, Harriet gives us some hard-earned advice for throwing a nice dinner, no matter what your level of cooking or hosting experience is. We'll also talk about how to put one on without totally losing your mind, and also what a dinner party even is and who it's actually for. This is FT Weekend. I'm Lila Raptopoulos. Harriet, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's so nice to be here. I'm curious to start, like, how long have you been hosting dinner parties and what do you like about it? Well, I think we might begin with, like, a difference in terminology because I was thinking about dinner parties and I was thinking about the way that you might talk about a dinner party as an American. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you are imagining a situation where there are lots of people in a room who maybe a couple of them know each other, but basically like you've curated a group of interesting people who you think will get on. That is like the platonic ideal of a dinner party in my head. Yes. Like, oh, maybe I could set someone up at this dinner party (laughs) or maybe couples who don't know each other might like each other at this dinner party. But I would say for the most part, when I talk about hosting dinner, what I am doing is cooking for friends and yeah. I actually so I was quite worried that I was just like really sort of a bit of like a social shut-in before I <laughs> came to record this so I asked my colleagues on the magazine like when you think about having a dinner party who are you 
imagining is there. Mm-hmm. And everyone said that it was friends. And the one person, Cordelia Jenkins, who's a deputy editor on the magazine, said, you know, I know what's happened here. Lila is American. <laughs> My husband is American, also a journalist, and he lives in London. And they are constantly a loggerheads over his definition of a dinner party, which right. is getting a load of people who don't know each other together in a room. And her definition of a dinner party, <laughs> which is just like having friends over to have a good time. Okay. So which one should we go with? I think the rules apply in both. I think, yeah, I think all the things about hosting, perhaps with the exception of how do you sort of get people talking to each other are mm-hmm. more or less the same because yeah. like people having a good time at your house and making them feel like comfortable, that is just like the same across the board. Yeah. Um, okay. So I thought that as we break down, before we break down sort of like what other elements make up for dinner in, in terms of like, Uh, the mood that you set and the food that you could make and the drinks and the wine and all that, I thought that maybe we could each talk through like a dream dinner party that each of us would throw. Okay. So not not one of those dream parties where alive or dead you could invite anyone you want. I don't care. I want something more realistic. There's like a dinner party that you would have at your house uh, with the constraints of your home uh, and sort of just the feeling that you would want to make, the stuff you would cook, the way the table would look. Okay. Have you thought of one for yourself as well? Yeah, I've been thinking okay. about it. Okay, interesting. <laughs> so I do think it's got to be, I would say, the run-up to Christmas. Okay. Maybe sort of late November when everyone's got that festive yeah. feeling, but no one's sort of totally, people aren't going into the season of like every night's a Christmas party. Like they've got a bit of like life left in them. Mm-hmm. All my very good old friends are there. I'd have some music on, but it would be very quiet. Um, I can give a specific album recommendation. Sure. I think that Prince's album, which is called A Piano and a Microphone, which I think was released, it's like demos that were released after his death, I believe is the perfect dinner party soundtrack. Beautiful. But, you know, personal tastes may vary. We'll put it in, um, <laughs> we'll put it in the show notes for people. Okay, mine is um, Deep Winter. Like February, mm. like everyone's sort of like no one's got anything left. Losing to live their will to live, yeah, exactly. And uh, but they all want to be cozy, and everyone's around, and they want something to do. And uh, probably like eight people squished into my little kitchen, like around my table. So you want everyone to be a bit on top of each other? Yeah, like a little, not really enough space, so everyone really has to kind of talk. I don't know who's going to be there, but I kind of want in some way to have flagged to these friends that they should come in the spirit of having like the best night of their lives. (laughs) (laughs) Because I don't really want to do, I don't want to talk about how New York is expensive and the rent has gone up. I don't know, but you can't force that. So um, that's just part of my dream scenario. And then... Food? Okay. In my dream, it's happening on a Saturday evening, and I've had the day off work Mm -hmm. on a Friday. So I've already had a day to relax, Mm -hmm. and I've got all of Saturday to do some shopping. I want to be able to enjoy the getting ready and the just sort of like mooching about, like listening to a podcast. Yeah. And turning the kitchen into an absolute mess. Mm -hmm. Um, I think if you're going to do something exciting for a dinner party like something sort of like a bit splashy and like technical Mm -hmm. it probably makes sense to do it more towards the beginning so that you don't have to disappear halfway through a meal 
for a really long time. Um, and I think like when people are having drinks anyway, it's kind of nice to be drifting in and out again. It's mm-hmm. just clearly all I want to do <laughs> to drift in and out. So I think I'd have some sort of spritz for when people arrive. Mm-hmm. Um, and ideally a spritz that people sort of like weren't particularly familiar with. So maybe like Lillet, which is a fortified wine, which makes a delicious spritz. Nice. And everyone will say, oh, this is a lovely spritz. Is it apple? And you say, no. You know? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's this thing you know, but also you don't quite know it, mm-hmm. which is like the, the comfort zone that you're trying to like, I guess that like you want things that are like comfortable and familiar, but also just like a bit different, and yeah. like a bit more interesting. Yeah, that's the sweet spot. <laughs> Um, And then I would do a lot of dips and I would not make my own bread. I would buy some nice bread. Mm -hmm. I probably wouldn't have separate plates for people eating that. I think like having starter plates is maybe just like unnecessary faff. Yeah. And then I think for the main meal, if we're sort of imagining that this is early winter, I don't think you can do much better than some sort of big bit of meat, some sort of like hunk of beef or pork or lamb um, with dauphinoise potatoes and probably some sort of like caramelized carrots. And then I don't really do desserts, I would say. No. What would you do at the end of the meal? In my dream dinner party, the Turkish shop on my high street hasn't closed because of extortionate rent hikes, which is what has just happened in reality. Um, And I would get some of the baklava that they sell there. Perfect. Um, And we would have that with coffee and probably dessert wine, which I discovered recently and is delicious. Nice. Tell me what you're eating. Okay. I'm probably not as good at figuring out like what all of the dishes will be, but I know what my showstopper is going to (laughs) be. And I did a late winter thing, so actually this might not be possible, but the showstopper is this Armenian dish called hapama, which is this just big pumpkin that's stuffed with like rice and dried fruits. Mm-hmm. And then you put the whole pumpkin into the oven and then it like cooks and then you cut it open. <laughs> um, but this is winter, so we're going to do stuffed cabbage. <laughs> and uh, this would we'll basically be delicious. Yeah. And we'll do stuffed cabbage with like a pilaf, so stuffed mm-hmm. with meat and uh, rice and spices and then like a pilaf on the side and then the juice from the meat sort of like gets the pilaf kind of wet and then probably some like big wintry salads. Mm. Um, And then at the end, maybe there's like some almond cookies and then like a bunch of citrus, like oranges and grapefruit and stuff like that just on the table. Just something Um, fresh. And yeah, something fresh. And then maybe a, I'll do a dessert wine for like an Amaro. Um, And then at the end, maybe we pile all the dishes up and then... I lend everyone a book from my bookshelf and then they leave. <laughs> and then the that's, next day I don't work and I just sit in the mess. That's, I think after dinner, if I had enough people, I would play Werewolf, which is also known as Mafia, mm-hmm. which is a game that like if I tried to explain it, the editors would definitely cut it out because it would be so boring to explain. <laughs> but it is the most fun you yeah. can have at a dinner party if you've got about eight people. Perfect. And otherwise, I'd probably try and teach people how to play a card game like Racing Demons. Oh, that's a nice idea to have a card game at the end of the night. So we've concocted our dream dinner parties. There's tons of little tips in it, but I kind of want to break down what we've learned. The first being just if we can talk through what to cook 
Like, you've told me that now is a great time for bad cooks to be good dinner party hosts. Yes. Can you tell me why? <laughs> well, because if you look at what even restaurants in London are doing, you know, I went out to one of the really fashionable new Italian restaurants in London called Bruto last week. And the starter was, you know, anchovies on sourdough. Right. They charged £10 for it. Right. And this is like the most popular starter they serve. And like, you know, everyone's putting it all over their Instagram. But it's anchovies on sourdough. Like, yeah. Both those things. One of them comes in a tin and one of them comes from a bakery. So like, it's very easy That's to so recreate the sorts of food that are currently in fashion. Mm -hmm. I Butter um, on radishes. Butter on radishes. <laughs> also. So if you're a bad cook, all you need to do is go to the market and buy some really lovely tomatoes yeah. and slice them up and put them on a plate and scatter a few leaves over them. Yeah. And you've sort of already done what lots of restaurants in London are doing. Right. Salt, olive mm. oil. That's it. Yeah. Great. Could you give us some other examples of sort of simple dishes that could work well together on a table for a dinner party? Well, I think you just need to work out what the main thing you want to cook is and mm -hmm. sort of put all your attention onto that and then just put a few things that are like simple but eye-catching around the outside. Mm -hmm. So if you want to do something like, you know, you buy a whole fish, which looks sort of terrifying, but it's actually like very easy to cook. Yes, and, and kind of a showstopper. And a showstopper, yeah. Exactly. And you just like put that on a bed of potatoes. Then all you need to serve with that is, you know, a easy like green salad and everyone will be very happy. Yeah. I also think if you really can't cook at all, then I believe that, you know, fondue is always due for a comeback. That's and, a good idea. <laughs> and it sort of fits with your idea of a dinner party, which is lots of people sort of hunched cozily around a tiny table because mm -hmm. if you're eating fondue, you've got to be like close. almost too close for <laughs> comfort. Um, with the heating bills going up, it's probably quite a good one. Yeah. Um, and I actually think you can just like, you can cook anything, can't you? Because what we're talking about is just like putting a meal on the table yeah. for people who are happy to be there. Yeah. The only thing, and maybe Americans don't do this in the same way, but I think the only thing that makes me feel really miserable at a dinner party is when the person who's done all the cooking spends all their time, like, apologizing for the cooking. Yeah. Imagine if you're in a restaurant and, like, the way to put stuff down and was just like, oh, sorry, like, the kitchen's <laughs> had a bad night tonight. Like, this isn't, like, this didn't turn out quite how we wanted it to. Yeah. I also want to sort of focus in on drinks. You said that in your dream dinner party, it was a spritz, but not with an Aperol, with something a little more mysterious. What... After that, what happens? Are you doing cocktails? Are you assuming wine? Are you I think people I'm, bringing a case of beer? So I think I've totally changed my thinking on this by virtue of having spent a lot of, you know, earlier this summer working on this huge wine issue of the magazine yeah. with our wine critic, Jancis Robinson. Because I think previously what I'd have said to you is I'd normally try and have a bottle of white and a bottle of red in. And other than that, I'd sort of like take what people gave me. Mm -hmm. I think now I probably would try and think about the wine and try and like serve a consistent wine, like get a couple of bottles of the same thing in to have across the majority of a meal. And mm -hmm. then like, sounds so pretentious, but I'm just going to say it. I've been drinking a lot of Pinot Noir recently. Mm -hmm. um, that's allowed. It's <laughs> allowed. It's good. And I think that's a nice red to have um, because it's light enough that, you know, anyone who doesn't like anything sort of really like um, full bodied is going to be fine with it. And perhaps it like goes a bit more easily with some things you might see as white wine foods. Mm -hmm. So I guess probably what I do now post my sort of 
wine discovery this summer is get a couple of bottles of that in. And then if other people want to drink other things, then they can bring it. But yeah. see, what I've done for most of the time is just like leave the alcohol to other people. Um, okay, so we got food. We have vibe. Mm-hmm. We have drink. This question isn't for me because I have FOMO all the time and uh, I'm happy for people to basically end up sleeping over if they want to. But for the introverts among us or for the people who like personal space, how do you politely get someone to leave at the end of your dinner party? Well, I believe that you actually already kind of have answered this question for yourself, Isla, because... I give everybody a book. Yes! (laughs) But this is it. Like, I have learned that the best way, the nicest way to get people to leave, which is also fine, by the way. I'm not saying, like, I hated them being there in the first place. (laughs) I've loved them being there. Like, it's not this sort of, like, oh, isn't it terrible having people over? But it is good for people to leave. Right, it is. Eventually. And the thing you always need to say is, oh, before you go, I really wanted to... And in your case, it is give them a book right but I think there's normally something that you've spoken about over the course of an evening that you sort of like genuinely would like to find or remember or I wanted to get you that name of exactly wine that you liked or whatever yeah yeah I mean beyond that I've got no idea like if the person doesn't sort of pick up on that as a hint yeah then you know I'm as lost as you are and will probably like yeah find them sleeping on my sofa (laughs) the next morning yeah yeah My last question, Harriet, is, we've talked a little bit about this, but how do you make sure you're having a good time at your own party? How do you make sure you're not overwhelmed, that it feels at the end like, I'm glad I did that, I'm glad I brought people together, and I feel like we all connected in some way? Yeah, I I think most people get overwhelmed, like, not by the bit where people are there they get overwhelmed by the bit beforehand when they're sort of like thinking about it and they've got to cook and you know I told my partner that I was coming on to record this with you and he said like that I'd have to tell you you don't have to bake your own bread which has become a saying in our relationship (laughs) for like you do not have to do the most yeah um but references a specific occasion where I had like a couple of people coming over very casually and I'd had an extremely busy week at work And I got up at five in the morning and he sort of like found me when he got up at seven crying over the focaccia. I was sort of like genuinely, I was like poking holes in the focaccia and like my tears were filling it along with the salt. I was like, what are you doing? (laughs) He said, you know, you don't have to make focaccia. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. an obvious thing to say. Um, But sometimes you need to hear it. Sometimes you need to hear it. So I think basically it's about like working out like what form of preparing for a meal you'll enjoy and basically like trying to do that version of it because there are also so many things you can buy that people like you know I said before that I like getting baklava for dessert Mm -hmm. or if there's someone near to you that does really nice bread like that's a lovely thing that you can actually buy and like if you want to make it special you can say you know I got this bread from this place that's really nice like taste it it's lovely bread yeah and that's a sort of nice and effort to have gone to as having like Baked it with your own tears. Yeah. <laughs> that really was so a one-off. Be, yeah. <laughs> so be easy on yourself. Be like, easy it, on yeah. yourself. Just yeah. like there is no point in doing this thing if you're not 
having a good time. The reason I like hosting dinner parties is that I don't just enjoy having people over. I enjoy spending a day watching a film, listening to a podcast, like slowly bringing a meal together in the kitchen, having an excuse to tidy my flat. Mm-hmm. So if you're not sort of getting those things out of it, then don't do it and go out to a restaurant instead. Yeah. Um, maybe my very last question is, when can I come to your house for a dinner party? <laughs> yeah, <when>? well, <laughs> unfortunately, I moved out of London. So most of my dinner parties now are with my 80-year-old neighbours. <laughs> and that brings with it a whole other set of sort of, you know, dietary restrictions and challenges <laughs> that are very different from the ones that you encounter in London. Yeah. Well, okay. (laughs) (laughs) You can join us. I'll join you. Actually, that sounds really fun and I will be there. Uh, Harry, this is such a delight. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you. That's the show this week. Thank you for listening to FT Weekend, the life and arts podcast of the Financial Times. I put links to some of our favorite pieces from this dinner party special in the show notes. And you should also be on the lookout for a new series that Harriet is starting in our food and drink section called The Table. It's where different chefs suggest a whole plan for a dinner party. And it's a way of looking at cooking holistically, not just one recipe or just tips for the best flatware, but the whole thing, kind of like we've done here today. I'm away for the next few weeks. And our producer, Lulu Smith, will be hosting. We've got some amazing guests lined up for you. Next week, Lulu is talking to the author, Andrew Lipstein. He wrote an extremely buzzy book that she loved called The Vegan. As you know, we love chatting with you. The show is on Twitter at FT Weekend Pod, and I am on Instagram and Twitter, but mostly chatting about culture with you on Instagram at Lila Rapp. I am Lila Raptopoulos, and here is my talented team. Katya Kamkova is our senior producer. Lulu Smith is our producer. Molly Nugent is our contributing producer. Our sound engineers are Breen Turner and Sam Javinko with original music by Metaphor Music. Topher Forges is our executive producer. Monique Malima is our intern. And our global head of audio is Cheryl Brumley. Have a wonderful weekend, and we'll find each other again next week.